0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today is going down right here.
1: Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King Scott Angle holding you down for the next hour So whether you're listening live here on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, wherever you get your podcasts or uh, some terrestrial radio stations across the country, thanks for tuning in here on a Monday morning as the sun is about to set on week nine of the NFL and fantasy football season. We'll get you ready for Monday Night Football a little bit later on, but we're going to take this hour to continue to break down the games that we saw in week nine if you want to join the show. The number to call is 844-843-6879. Scotty, how you feeling going into a Monday to end off Week 9?
2: Uh, I, I almost feel like the Dallas-Tennessee uh, game is sort of anticlimactic tonight because uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of fantasy investment in tonight's game. So uh, I think there's a lot of resolution of the wins and losses this week, and it was a very hmm.
1: exciting Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's true. You know, Tennessee in general, you haven't necessarily relied on those options. I told you, I need Dion Lewis in one one league. I know a lot of people probably are going to have Corey Davis in their lineups. And then on the Dallas side, we've talked about the Dallas as a streaming defense possibility. And we've also talked, you know, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott will decide some matchups tonight. But we'll get into that. But first, let's look back real quick. And I think the narrative, we got a poll question up, Scott, as well. And the question is, who is the best one-loss team in the NFL, Scott? You got the Rams, who entered yesterday undefeated, but they get their first loss at the hands of the Saints, so now the Rams are 8-1, and one, and the Saints are 7-1 and one in the NFC, the Saints having already had their bye, and then in, over in the AFC, the Chiefs, who apparently, by the way, Scott, have the best three wide receiver tandem in the AFC, are 8-1 and one as well. Scott, this poll, thank you, first of all to the you know hundreds of people who are voting on this poll, and you can find us on Twitter, at Spit and Speeds, at X. Right now, Scott, it is pretty close as the, the numbers continue to change right now. All of them in the 30s, uh, 38% say the Rams, 32% say the team that just beat them yesterday, the Saints, and 30% say the AFC one-loss team, the Kansas City Chiefs. You are begrudgingly still riding with the Rams as the best one-loss team in the NFL, right? I wouldn't say begrudgingly. I'm just, you know,
2: I'm not uh, – I'm, I'm not. It's, it could change in two weeks. You know, for now, I I still think the Rams are the best team, but it's almost like the Saints and them are even – you know, uh, people could be saying the Saints are playing better on defense, but, you know, that defense could easily give up a 40-burger, you know, the next week. So, you know, it's, it's about – I think almost about, like, which team is at home – and you know which team could just fire off more rockets and uh yeah. if the Rams were at home might be I'd be I'd be betting on the Rams and right now I think the Rams probably are going to end up with probably one or two more wins than the Saints interesting
1: that's playing out the rest of the schedule we'll have plenty of time to look forward to the rest of the schedule a little bit later on this week but it is Monday so we gotta break some stuff down and one of the things that I found interesting that you just said Scott is that um, Duke Johnson Well, we were talking in the last hour you mentioned that Duke Johnson may be a big waiver ad because you know the offense has almost rediscovered this pass catching back in their offense I think there's another team that has just done the same. I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. Maybe they have rediscovered Theo Riddick as a pass-catching running back. He has seven catches yesterday for only 36 yards, but remember the way Theo Riddick has been used a lot, so maybe similar to Duke Johnson. He's coming back from an injury, but it was not enough as the Detroit Lions lose to the Minnesota Vikings 24-9. Let's start on this Detroit side, though, Scotty. Matty Stafford, 25 for 36, 199 yards. on Johnson does not do as much. You know, a lot of people were really excited about on Johnson. He gets only 44 total yards and three catches. So the seven and a half points in PPO scoring, you were expecting a little bit more of that. But talk to me about what you expect of this offense moving forward, especially the theoretic role, especially what you see in this offense now after the trade of Golden Tate. I want to get your perspective on it, I'm curious. Uh Okay. I think that, you know, Golden Tate, a lot of what Golden Tate did was in the short passing game. And I think that the way I framed the question would kind of give you a little bit of a idea. I think they believe Theo Riddick can do a lot of what Golden Tate did in the short passing game. I think they wanted to clear the way for our guy Galladay, similar to how Denver wanted to clear the way for Cortland Sutton. And even though Galladay only goes three for 46 yesterday, he has an end-around character for eight yards as well. I think they did. That's what they want to do. Utilize Theo Riddick to take up some of that golden tape. Clear the way for Kenny Galladay. And I do think they want to run the ball. They weren't able to because of game script necessarily. But I do think they want to run the ball and grow into a more balanced attack with carry on my wayward son. That's my take on it. That was my take on it too. I don't know so much about Riddick. What we
2: saw from Riddick yesterday was probably his ceiling. And I I don't think... They've rediscovered him. It's just he came back from an injury, and he started to play his role again. Uh, Galladay and Marvin Jones didn't do a lot yesterday. And to me, those are the guys over the long run that should be the beneficiary of, uh, of Golden Tate not being there. Yeah, because you saw Galladay fall off, and then he had another bad game yesterday. They have to get him back more involved in the offense. You need to see more from Marvin Jones, but it was a defensive game yesterday. And, uh, you know, I had heard over the weekend that Golden Tate was gotten rid of because he just didn't get along with the coaching staff or the quarterback. You know, I heard that over the weekend, and that's part of the reason why they got rid of a talented player like that. So it was was more intangible than it was strategic.
1: And, Scotty, correct me if I'm wrong, this would not be the first franchise where that was something of an issue for Golden Tate, getting along with the quarterback. Uh, yeah,
2: we heard that story about him and Russell Wilson, but, you know, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's the kind of guy that, you know, it, it seems like Russell Wilson, like, there were stories about, like, how Percy Harvin didn't like him, and then you saw him and Percy right. Harvin, like, you know, hugging you, you know, like a year after that, so... Yeah. You know, Russell yeah. Wilson's the kind of guy. Well, I, guess, I guess you know—I don't want to get too much in, into the weeds about this, but you know, I've heard that Golden Tate is a guy that basically the front offices don't like. You know that he's kind of a knucklehead, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, when he first got to Seattle, he got—he got arrested for uh, walking into a Krispy Kreme when it was closed and taking some donuts and walking out. Well,
1: how about that, Golden Tate? You know, but hey, he is one of those tough wide receivers that you like to have, and it's gonna be a very interesting fit for the Philadelphia Eagles offense who were on by. I will say this though, Scotty, at the sports book I was in yesterday, even though the Eagles were on by, there was no shortage of Eagles paraphernalia and gear down there in Atlantic City. I'll tell you that. Let's look though to the Victor Gold the spoils. The Minnesota Vikings are five, three, and one right there along with the Bears in the NFC North. And so I got to ask you um, two things. One, Dalvin Cook finally returns and looks like, you know, he, he did have a long touchdown run, didn't pop the hamstring over again. So I ask you, is that the end of Latavis Murray? And then the other thing I have to ask you is, uh, you know, unfortunately, Adam Thielen does not continue his streak of 100-yard receptions. And I, I, I bring the case study of what you just mentioned about Tyler Boyd. You know, you talked about, hey, Tyler Boyd has been so great, but now without A.J. Green, what might happen there with the defensive attention and all that stuff? Adam Thielen has had, excuse me, past tense, eight straight games of 100 yards receiving. Then what was different this week? There was no Stefan Diggs, and so attention and all that stuff could go to Thielen. Do you think that had anything to do why Thielen only goes four for 22 in this effort?
2: Yeah, well, with Adam Thielen, he also had a, he had a minor calf injury yesterday at one point that he was trying to play through. So, uh, look, Kirk Cousins uh, didn't have his number two receiver, but he's been without him before. Uh, well, he hasn't been before. The Vikings have been without him before. Right. And and they they adjusted. But this was just a divisional, physical sort of game. And then when you look at the game flow, it was really about the defense dominating more than anything.
1: Yeah, Hunter, I think, got in the end zone um, on an interesting play for a defensive touchdown right there. Danielle Hunter gets a touchdown. That's what made it 24-6 to and pretty much put the Lions to bed. Talk to me about should we put Latavius Murray to bed because Dalvin Cook is back.
2: I don't think you fully can. I mean, obviously, right. you have Cook, you keep him around as a handcuff because we know that Cook can't stay healthy. And you know, Latavius Murray still might have a role as a goal line back, et cetera. You know, maybe he becomes a sort of Edo Smith sort of type. But I think you have to leave him on your bench because you just don't, don't know what Dalvin Cook. If you can stash him, uh, I think uh, you have to do it. And, you know, we're getting close to a point where we're getting close to the fantasy playoffs. And I think. You do this maybe more in week eleven and twelve. Right, uh, more than after anything, the buys, right? You, after you, the buys, you want to have the direct backups to all of your mm-hmm. running back starters on an NFL team, and you can't consider it maybe for a quarterback too. You know, if you play in a really deeper league, especially if you're playing a two quarterback league, you know, you right. want to start picking up those backups. Like, yeah. you know, if if in a, in a two quarterback league to whoever your starters are, if you have you have Russell Wilson, if he gets hurt. You know, you want to, you want to have a Brett Hundley, you know, for
1: example. Sure. Give me a, light, a little Chad Henney to back up my Patty Mahomes and whatnot. But, Scott, and, and that's a good point. Um, in general, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're a playoff team, right, as soon as these buys kind of die down for you, you are casting aside your rb six your wide receiver five, your second tight end, right? And what you're doing instead is organizing yourself to have the best possible lineups for week 14, 15, 16. And like you said, some of the handcuffs to your studs at that point, are you even looking ahead to say like, oh, let's find out who the Buffalo Bills are playing on week 15 and grab that defense now to stream in that point? You're starting to organize yourself for the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I think you have to do it. You know, and now's the time to do it. You know, I always get a good laugh out of people who plan for the fantasy playoffs. In August, you know, I'd say, right. oh, look at this guy. He has a good week 14, well, 15, confidence. 16 schedule. Confidence. What's it? <laughs> just confidence? No, it's, 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 it's a waste of time. It's, <laughs> it's silly because you can't, you can't look ahead to what your team's going to look like in week 14, and, you know, who, who's going to consider Marquez Valdez-Gantling in August? Right. You know, nobody ever thought of that. Your team changes so much, and there's so many changes in the NFL from, say, August to October that looking at a week 14 schedule – uh,
1: in, in August. It's just ridiculous and a big waste of time. Alright, fair enough. Let's go to another game. Uh, You know, bond burner of a game down there in South Florida, Scott, as the Miami Dolphins take out the Jets' 13th 30- to 6 Brock Osweiler winning a game in which he throws for 139 yards, the Dolphins winning a game in which their leading rusher goes for 53 yards, let me actually add these up real quick, the, 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 the Miami Dolphins win this game, Scott, with a total net yards of 168. They ran 55 offensive plays, Scott. They gained 168 total yards, Scott. And they win this game 13 to 6. You want to know the reason why? The reason why is because uh, Sam Darnold continues to make ridiculous throws uh, to people in the other jersey. Another four interceptions for Sam Darnold.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, defense say you, know, you rule the day for some fantasy players. I played the Dolphins. Defense oh, the Miami in like defense. Six, yeah, six, <laughs> six leagues. I said both yeah. of these defenses were good streams, but Miami scored twenty six to twenty eight points, uh, depending on what scoring system. I had them in like about a half or a little bit more than half of my leagues. And when you have guys, you know, like who are just not putting up the kind of numbers that. You hopefully expect, like if you had a Mike Evans or a Tariq Cohen or somebody like that, but then you got 26 points from your defense, it saves right. your fantasy day. So yep. you can't underrate the importance of, of the defensive unit in fantasy football when you're talking about six or even four teams on a bye. Uh, right. You know, this was, the, you, you got to start streaming defenses against the Jets because uh, I don't know if they're going to go to that. will turn it over. <laughs> yeah. It's a legitimate thing thing to wonder right now if uh, if the Jets will go to Josh McCown at some point just to you know clear Sam Darnold's head and have him watch what McCown does from the sidelines because we know McCown can move the offense et cetera you know they do have Quincy Enunwa back now et cetera Mm -hmm. and I, I think Jermaine Kearse would just be a better fantasy wide receiver or he'd just be a relevant fantasy wide receiver with Josh McCown at quarterback because the two of them did show a connection, something of a connection last year. So until then, though, you got to keep streaming defenses against the Jets.
1: Yeah, let me ask you this. Remember how I was so surprised with that 37.5 being the over-under total for the Bears in the Bills game? Yeah, Scott, next week the Jets play the Bills. The Bills are a viable stream. I know, but my question is, like, what do you think is the game total going to be on that one? Twenty. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, what, 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 who is going to score? Like, how are you going to analyze that game when we got the Jets and the Bills, two putrid offenses going out? It um, that could be interesting. Here's right? another point about if you the do the game single game showdown, do you like make the kickers your MVP in that game? Yeah, I think so. But uh, <laughs> then again,
2: you know, both these teams—you never know in the nfl could blow up yep. for like twenty-five points each. This is but true. But the big thing is, you know, it's—you know—sometimes you get lured in, and I, I'm guilty of it too. It's like a lot of the fantasy industry, including myself, was seeing a big game from Isaiah Crowell. But you got to learn with Isaiah Crowell. You know, Corey led learned that lesson in a big way, uh, more than any of us last year. But Isaiah Crowell is just mediocre. You know, he had a two-hundred-yard game played way over his head a few weeks ago, but you know, so unreliable. It doesn't matter what the, the matchup is. You never know what you're gonna to get to Isaiah from Crowell and two times out of three, you're gonna get a crap or a mediocre performance.
0: Guys I yeah, have a Isaiah total for you. Corwell,
1: I thought it was uh set up as well. Um, he only goes for forty nine yards on you only the only look ground. at matchup. You can't you can't so, predict execution.
2: That's the so one let me ask thing. You. Once the game once the game starts you know, you can look at the matchups and do everything you want, but it's very, very hard to predict execution.
1: All right, so let me ask you this. Scotty, one of the guys I was on, remember? You, you, you told me props last Monday when I was on this guy. Elijah Maguire, though, Scotty, seven carries for 30 yards and a little something extra in the pass game, three catches for another 37 yards. So uh, Maguire in this game where the Jets, you know, score six points, he has 67 scrimmage yards and three catches. Do you think we're going to see more out of Maguire out of the backfield?
2: We might with the way that Crowell is playing. And on the other side, you know, for me to start Devontae Parker, that's something I should have known better too. To either recommend yeah. Isaiah Crowell or start Devontae Parker. All these stories in the South Florida paper. Oh, I'm feeling better. They're moving me around the formation. Yeah. You know, I'm finally going to show what I'm worthy of in one catch for eight yards.
1: Yeah, and then let me ask you finally on this game, as we close off the hour, Scott, one of the tight ends you've been talking about as a deep streamer is Chris Herndon. He delivers again, 4-for-62. Can we expect this to be the new trend here?
2: Lois Sam Darnold's playing quarterback. He's got affinity form. He scored in three consecutive games, no touchdown yes. yesterday, but still got you 10 PPR points. You know, this guy is a,
1: certainly a useful fantasy tight end, too all right absolutely when we come back on the other side of the break right here on fst we talk about nfc south matchups in carolina afc north matchups in baltimore and a great non-conference matchup with the Chargers and the seahawks when we come back it's dane and scott looking back on week nine telling you what you need to know so you can get a w in your playoff push come on right back it's the fantasy sports radio network Welcome back. No diggity, no doubt. It's FST on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the king, Scott Angle, breaking it down. All the games from week nine and the fantasy nuggets you need as you start to organize yourself. Moving forward. Hey, Scotty, I want to ask you something based off of our last conversations. You know, you talked about Duke Johnson. We talked about Theo Riddick coming back uh, from injury. We just mentioned guys like Elijah Maguire, and we said that the waiver wire might be lighter this week because there weren't really any catastrophic injuries just yet knock on wood with one game left to play if i told you that theo riddick duke johnson and elijah Maguire would be three of the uh heavily more heavily added running backs this week a would you buy it and b how would you prioritize them i would buy it i would definitely put duke johnson first because
2: what we've what we've seen is, uh, you know, what we've what we seen from Duke Johnson is. Uh, it, well, I'll get to Riddick in a second. What we've seen from Duke Johnson in the past believes that believes makes me believe that he has the biggest ceiling of the three in a PPR. In effect, he could become the number two wide receiver on that right. team. Uh number two would probably be Elijah McGuire with uh you know, with the way that Crowell is playing and they can get him involved in the passing game, as you've expertly said before. Uh you know that uh that you know, this, they like him a lot internally. Number three would be Theo Riddick. Yesterday I, I saw his what we saw yesterday was his ceiling. Theo Riddick really mm. hasn't been consistently useful since two thousand fifteen.
1: All right, so uh, there you have it. If you're looking for some PPR boost with some buys, you got some options there. Duke Johnson, Elijah Maguire, and Theo Riddick. Hey, let me ask my man. I got my man uh, Chris Bavona, the Manimal. He's down there in the fantasy pit of misery. Dilly-dilly to him. Asking you shall receive. It sounds like he does have uh, early totals on that Jets-Bills game next week. Hey, Chris, come on and join us for a hot second.
0: Here we go. There we go. I need to turn on my mic. Yes, I think I do Fantastic. have. Um, I think I have the uh, the total for the, total? Uh, the jet. Yes. What do we got?
1: Can I guess? Can I guess?
0: You can try and guess.
1: Uh, I'm going to guess 35 and a half. Mm, little lower. 33 and a half.
0: Little lower. 33. Getting Warb. You're getting warmer, you're still lower. 32 and a half, 32 and a half. Yeah, you know what, you're, I mean, you're getting warmer, but you're still cold. Alright, what is it? What is it? What is it? Zero point zero. Zero. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. If it was in fact 0.0, I think I would be forced to take the over on that one. We'll find out what that actually is. I think we, we do have some look, behind, uh, look ahead lines over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll check that out in a little bit. But some teams that do score points is the next game I want to talk about. The Carolina Panthers go to 6-2 and two on the season at home against the Tampa Bay Bucks. They get a 42-28 victory Scott, we were talking about this. We were talking um, – excuse me. No, maybe I was talking about it with George Kurtz on Friday. It, it all kind of turns into a blur. I was saying that, listen, with North Turner as the offensive coordinator, he's dramatically improved – Cam Newton's completion percentage. This is a guy who usually throws between like 50 and 55 percent completion percentage, which is normally towards the bottom of the NFL. He was at 66 percent going into t- yesterday's action, and he increased that going 19 of 25, uh, 247 yards, two touchdowns. He also runs for another 33 yards. He's getting the ball into his playmakers' hands. Curtis Samuel with a touchdown. DJ Morgan Plays and then Christian McCaffrey 17 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns, another 78 yards in the passing game with five catches as well. I've been saying, don't look now, but the Panthers, similar to the Chargers, are this kind of under the radar team. Here's the question I have for you, Scott What's the difference between Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara? More touch, consistent touchdown production. From, from Alvin
2: Kamara uh, I think uh, the number the numbers are are better overall uh, you know in that regard I think that 's the big difference. McCaffrey was a guy that until recently people in non PPR leagues were very very worried about and uh, I think that 's been quelled over the last uh, you know recently you know Man. in a miniature way but i think uh, I think there's still concerns about that it, touchdowns are a big difference you know to yeah, Alvin Kamara to three touchdowns in a game. It's wonderful, yeah. but I don't think you're surprised, but when you get two touchdowns in a game from Kristen
1: McCaffrey like that's a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, absolutely. And that really is the difference, right? Cuz I look at their stats right now. Okay, right now Alvin Kamara is RB2 in PPR formats. He has 490 yards rushing. Christian McCaffrey has 502 yards rushing, both of them within two uh, rushing attempts. Kamara with 111, McCaffrey with 109. Then when I look in the passing game, Kamara 51 catches, McCaffrey 49. Their yards receiving are very similar as well. But Alvin Kamara has 12 touchdowns this season so far, nine on the ground, three via the air. Christian McCaffrey only five, three on the ground, two via the air. That is what is making the big difference. That's why Alvin Kamara is RB2, and McCaffrey is RB8. But you can't be upset. If you drafted Christian McCaffrey, really, if you drafted Christian McCaffrey at the top of the second round, you can't be upset with that. Especially, I mean, I'm talking PPR, right?
2: Well, if you, if you yeah, uh, it's PPR. You can't be upset. No, not, not whatsoever, because there's a nice you know, 12- to 14-point floor there every week. And if that's the worst you're going to get, that'll be fine, because everybody's not going to blow up every single week. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of people drifting Christian McCaffrey end of the first round and beginning of the second in a non-PPR, and they just should have known better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As I look at the top 10 running backs right now in PPR scoring, (laughs) Scott, at the beginning of the year, if you told me that uh, that three of the top 10 running backs were going to be James Conner, TJ Yeldon and Philip Lindsay in PPR scoring, uh, you know, I would have needed to go with you to the track and bet the Breeders' Cup over the weekend, you know what I mean? But let me ask you this. Um, My setup on the Panthers, do you agree? uh, Do you agree that North Turner kind of understands uh, what he has in terms of playmakers like Moore and Samuel and McCaffrey and trying to get the ball out quicker and how that could be the answer to the ills of Cam Newton's completion percentage? I mean, early in his career. If you remember Scott, he basically had a basketball team to throw to, right? You know, uh funchus at 6'4" or 5, Kelvin Benjamin at 6'4" or 5, Greg Olson at 6'4", and people thought that was the way to help his accuracy, right? With big targets who had big catch radiuses. Now it seems like North Turner's going the other way. Let's get the ball out of his hands, let him go shorter passes and get uh, you know ha- have his shaken big playmakers make the moves. Do you do you see that as well? And do you think that that's what Cam has needed all along?
2: I think I think what Cam had, now has is a diverse supporting cast. And you remember during his his MVP year, you know his completion percentage wasn't terrible, so he's certainly capable of this. Uh, you know, I think it's a question. I, I think it's two things. I think it's it's mechanics and decision making. Because, you know, in the past, you know we've we've seen you know him not be so accurate and not throw the best mid range passes. but, Right now, if you look at this receiving crew, it's very diverse. He has a guy who can throw two out of the backfield, which certainly increases his percentage because, you know, it could just throw him a flat pass, and then he can take it right. for a lot of yardage himself. Then he's got a big receiver in Funches. He's got his old reliable in Greg Olson. He's got a speed receiver with Curtis Samuel, and then he's got a guy who can do things after the catch like the rookie DJ Moore. So it's a very deep
1: receiving crew. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, and hopefully and Cam seems to be taking full advantage of it. You know the threat that Cam also poses in the run game. This is a team to me that when they're winning, when they're out in front, get out of the way because they can start rolling. It's when they face struggle in adversity that they you know, that they can't really get through it. You know, and I think Cam is a figurehead for that. Talk to me about the other side of things here. Scott, the Bucks get twenty-eight points. Fitzpatrick throws, you know, four touchdowns, but the two picks, the magic is not necessarily there. Um, what, what do you take out of this? Buccaneers, because look, how do you know? Mike Evans goes only one for 16. Maybe he is hampered by that knee that we talked about. Adam Humphreys, eight for 82 and two touchdowns. You know, we've been on Godwin all season long. He only gets two for 40. OJ Howard we know about. Like, is it shifting in Tampa? It's Adam Humphreys. It's OJ Howard. What about the names we know? Godwins, Evans, Breit. What do you see here moving forward for this Bucks offense?
2: Uh yeah, well I think a lot more of the same from uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Although I maintain that hmm. he still has the danger of dropping out to one touchdown and three interceptions or four interceptions sure. in any given week. You know, like it, like uh like like uh Sam Gardens was saying yesterday on lineup block. You know, there's there's a very high ceiling. But then there's a very low basement, you know. That's that's what you worry about. That's the magic, like Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's the, the the magic is not so good fantasy wise though, because you could be in a key game that you that sure. that uh, that you really have to win, and maybe you're in a playoff game, you get comfortable with this guy. He could he could drop a bad one on you at any time. Uh, it was quiet for Deshaun Jackson, but you know I think that was uh, that was his first single performance game since early in the season. But, yep. you know, sometimes you run that risk with Deshaun Jackson, who's a deep guy and not more of anything else. Chris Godwin's too touchdown dependent. I think Evans, as long as he's healthy, should bounce yeah. back. But O.J. Yeah. Howard is the guy because, you know, I, it's, I've been ranking him top six for weeks now because, uh, you know, this is his breakthrough year. He's, he's quickly making a splash here right in his second year, which is kind of fast for a tight end overall. But he's definitely like top five, top six right now, and I think – That's going to continue. He's a must-start every single week.
1: Yeah, remember, this guy was drafted high coming out of Alabama. We talk about tight ends as rookies, it being hard to kind of adjust, and we expect second-year tight ends to sort of take a jump. O.J. Howard is certainly doing that. And correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but Cameron Braid, I think, is a free agent in the offseason, and he'll probably get some money to be a starting-caliber tight end somewhere else, similar to what we saw out of Trey Burton in this offseason. So it's sitting pretty for O.J. Howard in the long term, right? It definitely is. I mean, it's huge
2: for O.J. Howard. You know, the one thing here is Adam Humphreys was a surprise because usually when we have see Jameis Winston in there, he, he has an affinity from Humphreys. You know, this could be like the best game of his career, and then you can see four quiet weeks. So don't overbid on Adam Humphreys. I, I'm not sold on it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I hear you. And listen, I've been saying it for weeks. Remember when they made the switch to Jameis? I was like, get Jameis in your lineup, (laughs) you know? And I still maintain that because this Tampa Bay defense is so trash that Tampa's going to be in shootouts. Yeah, they're going to continue to throw interceptions, but you may still get those uh, touchdowns as well and kind of back-and-forth games. I would maintain that the Tampa Bay quarterback, like even last week when they made the switch, if you combine, like in some leagues you can get like Tampa Bay quarterback I still think Tampa Bay quarterback is going to be in shootouts and I still think Tampa Bay quarterback is going to throw all the time especially because to your point you don't like Peyton Barber right you don't like Ronald Jones and didn't Ronald Jones get banged up a little bit in this game also yep
2: no he got injured last week and he's gonna be out for a while someone got banged up Some there was
1: there was a Tampa Bay running back that did get banged up was it Barber
2: uh, I didn't see anything about Barber. I saw Mike Mike Evans took a hit to the back of the mm. head and left the game for a while.
1: All right, so I digress, though. But the point being, like, you don't have faith much in that running game, right? So Tampa Bay quarterback, despite the interceptions, which will happen if you take them as kind of, like, par for the course, they are still going to be in shootouts. I maintain they're going to be throwing the ball 45, 50 times every single week. Right, Scotty? Yeah, it's pretty much on point, Yeah. All right, fair enough. Here we go. Um, I want to ask you, Scott, before we go to the next break, I want to talk about one more game. And it was the battle in the AFC North, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is another one of my, like, don't look now teams, like the Chargers, like the Panthers. But don't look now. But the St- the Steelers are kind of in a little bit of a groove. They go to 5-2-1 on the season, beating the Ravens 23-16. I w- however, I want to start real quick on the Baltimore side. You know, we were just talking about the waiver wire ads, Scott. And I was bringing out some pass-catching backs like Duke Johnson who's back on the scene, Theo Riddick who's back healthy, Elijah Maguire who may grow in some opportunity. I got a hot take for you, Scott. Um, I think the biggest quarterback ad on the waiver wire this week, despite the fact that the Ravens are on bye next week, should be Lamar Jackson. I think this might be... The time Scott I know they're four and five and you can make the argument that they're still in contention But after the buy a lot of things happen the Ravens are on bye week 10 Handicap it for me Scott. What do you think percent chance that not for week 10? But when we're sitting here in a week and a half There's an opportunity that let they do make the move to Lamar Jackson Flacco started well but has kind of come back to earth, 23 for 37, 209 yards, and you once again see that they just don't have the kind of excitement, the potential, anything dynamic going on in that offense. How crazy am I if I uh, am reading the tea leaves and think the move to Lamar could be coming?
2: I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I think there's a 50-50 shot of it happening. Uh you know, we saw from Lamar Jackson, especially in the preseason, he can be very up or down and very erratic, but he just he challenges defenses more than Flacco does. And you know, right now, you know, you're not seeing anything from the receivers. Uh the running game is muddled. You know, I will always be of the opinion that they don't give Alex Collins enough work. I think that it it would be very interesting to see Lamar Jackson in there plating read option with Alex Collins as the main ball carrier. Uh yeah. I don't know if that's the way we, we're spitballing here. Sure, uh, I think I think I'm more spitballing a little than than you are, though, about the Alex Collins thing, because that's what I want to see and what I think they should do. But obviously, they don't feel the same as I do.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I, I listen, in a week, <laughs> you know, we're talking about a lower, maybe a quieter waiver wire. And if you want to start getting ahead of the game, I really do believe, Scott, that Lamar Jackson, the time could be coming. The sands of the hourglass are certainly falling quicker for Joe Flacco moving forward. Real quick before we go to the break, let's talk about the Pittsburgh side of things. Big Ben got crushed, Scott, a week. He came into this game. We knew what an injury to his non-throw hand. It looked like it was a a shoulder or something. He got crushed and landed awkwardly. You gotta hear the sports book was a gasp when that happened, but Josh Dobbs only goes in for one play. Are we uh, concerned about Big Ben or we think he's gonna be just fine? No, but I don't don't think there's any major concern
2: over him. Uh, It looked like he just got the wind knocked out of him from all of the Pittsburgh reporters
1: were saying. Alright, fair enough. James Conner, though, Come on, Scott. I mean, James Conner, 107 yards on the ground, and then seven for 56 and a touchdown on via the air. Like, this guy is right now, I think, RB3 going on in fantasy. Like, we have our weekly conversation here. I kind of don't care if Le'Veon comes back. James Conner is RB3 in fantasy. You got to keep it moving. The Steelers are on a groove right now. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right, Scott?
2: I heard so much talk about people being worried about him facing the Ravens. He had 41 yards last time. <laughs> it don't <I> said, matter. <laughs> you know, he, he's matchup proof. It doesn't matter. The guy leads the league in broken tackles. And like Sam Garnes was saying yesterday on lineup blockers, because he had 41 yards a few weeks ago because they hadn't acclimated the offense and tuned it to him. Now the offense is tuned to him. You know, he's matchup proof.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He is RB3 in fantasy. Le'Veon, who was screamed at the sports book a whole lot yesterday. Uh, we got a couple more games to break down. We'll do that. And we'll preview Monday Night Football
0: when we come back. It's FST.
1: You're at, let me hear you say. The party's on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King Scott Angle, breaking down the week nine games. And then we'll talk a little bit about Monday Night Football, which is going to cap it off as the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys, Corey Parson. Welcome to Tennessee Titans to town to Jerry World tonight. There's a couple of things I need. I actually am playing the fantasy executive Corey Parson in one of uh one of our leagues. He needs uh he needs 30 points I think out of Zeke Elliott and the Dallas defense. So that's like, you know, that's possible. Not easy, but possible, right Scott?
2: Uh, Zeke Elliott, Yes, yeah, I think it's Zeke and possible. the Dallas
1: defense to get 30. Zeke and the yeah, Dallas I think,
2: defense. Yeah, I, def- I think that defense could score double figures tonight.
1: Oh, all right. Well, that would be uh, not necessarily helpful for me. By the way, I also just checked the FanDuel Sportsbook. They got early previews for Week 10. They are currently listing the Bills-Jets game at a total of 36 and a half. What do you say to that, Scott? We run in to take that the under in that
0: yeah, it does seem high.
1: high. I like that. I like that. I like that authentic reaction out of you zero. Yeah, I'd take the over on zero, but maybe the under on 36 and a half. Scotty, we got a couple more games I want to get into. My pick, my team that I've been riding with since week one, their only losses have been to the Rams and the Chiefs who we're considering two of the top three teams in the NFL. I'm talking about my Los Angeles Chargers, Scott. They get a W, 25 to 17. Don't look now, but Phillip Rivers has 19 touchdowns and only three picks this season they do what they need to do. Melvin Gordon, 123 scrimmage yards. Melvin Gordon is RB7 despite his team having a bye, despite him missing a game. They continue to go right along. We talked about the Williams wide receivers, but Keenan Allen, Scott, comes back into kind of wide receiver one territory, at least for one game, six catches, 124 yards. Listen, the Chargers, they just have a lot of talent and a lot of weapons, Scott.
2: Yeah, and you know, they got big, great pass protection yesterday, uh, uh, whether it was standing regular in the pocket or using mm-hmm. play-action passes. Uh, Philip Rivers was just very crisp and very on point, although he didn't have a huge game. From an NFL perspective, he had a really good game. Uh, and you Melvin Gordon was just tremendous yesterday, breaking tackle. He was doing everything yesterday. He was breaking tackles. He was making defenders miss. He was, uh, you know, veering past the second level and, you know, using his speed. He, he was just, he was just a do everything kind of runner yesterday. It was a very, very impressive performance. They just, they, they wore that Seattle defense out as Seattle defense is playing very well. They really imposed their will on them. Uh, you know, they they played very good ball control, very, very, very good game plan, just yeah. very, very ba- balanced. The numbers don't look great from a fantasy perspective,
1: but it was near flawless execution yeah. from an NFL perspective. That's what I'm saying. This was kind of like, and I'm going to respect Seattle, okay, Scott? In Seattle, which is obviously no easy task, this looked like... A good NFL team coming in there with a good plan, executing it well, doing what they needed to do to go in there and win and win kind of, I don't want to say decisively or convincingly, but like, you know, they had a working margin of nine points for that kind of entire game. And, you know, I've been so high on the Chargers, right, Scott? But check this out. I'm telling you right now, go grab the Chargers defense, okay? They sack Russell Wilson four times. What was better to me, and you probably saw this because I know you saw the game, Scott, a lot of times when they were rushing Russell Wilson, they tried to, like, contain him and not let him get outside. You saw them rushing kind of on the edges to almost, like, contain him in the pocket. Again, smart planning and, and implementation execution. But I'm telling you right now, Scott, people need to go grab the Chargers defense if they haven't done so already ready next week Oakland then also after that Arizona these are teams that I am not impressed with offensively and these Chargers are going to get Joey Boza back in the next week or two you talk about sacks and turnovers Scott this Charger team is primed to score points have a lead and then put Boza and Ingram and sicking them on the opposing quarterback you know I like the Chargers do you agree that the defense may be something you need to add
2: yeah, yesterday it wasn't it wasn't they weren't getting a pass rush. You know, they I think they came in with only like eleven sacks or something like that. They were coverage sacks. The secondary right. played really, really Russell. well yesterday. Yeah. But but it was it was before that. It was like even before they got to him in the containment, nobody was getting open. So they to your point, you know, he tried to scramble and there was nowhere to go. Nobody was getting open. And then Casey there was Hayward, nowhere to Desmond go. There was, there was nowhere to go. There was time to throw. But nobody was getting open. And, you know, from a fantasy perspective with the Chargers, it's really about Melvin Gordon, but who can you trust week to week in the passing game? It was very, very encouraging to see Keenan Allen have the the type of game that he had yesterday because he's been underperforming for many, many weeks. But uh, to your point, you've said this before, he started slow last year and then he, he finished well. Keenan Allen really came on with a very, very encouraging performance yesterday.
1: Hey, Scott, by the time we talk tomorrow, you think Caleb Sturgis will have a job?
2: Uh, he's been in this league for a while. Sometimes with a kicker, they'll give him one more game to show if he can bounce back. And I've seen in the league this year, so... I yeah. think there's like maybe a forty percent chance he gets. Cut. I saw a
1: stat during that game. They said Caleb Sturgis has now missed an extra point and a field goal in three consecutive games. Something that has not happened in the NFL since nineteen seventy nine. But the Chargers are off and rolling. I like what I saw there, Scott. I'll open up the floor. What do you? What did you take away from the Seahawks side of this?
2: From the Seahawks side of this, uh, you know, the offense played one of its worst games of the year. Uh, Russell Wilson not only didn't have any time to get anybody open, and he couldn't scramble, but, you know, he made some questionable throws for the second time this year. On an out pattern, he had a pick six, so he's got to be careful with that. You know, he overthrew receivers as well. Uh, just not a good game from Russell Wilson. Uh, Mike Davis really piled up the points as well. Uh, you know, he was involved in the passing game, but didn't show a lot of upside from a pure NFL perspective. Uh Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin proving their touchdown dependent. And uh, Jerron Brown caught the first touchdown pass. And Doug Baldwin right now, you're, you're getting to a point where uh, in a 10-team league, he's a strong cut consideration, I think. And you really can't do anything with a, uh, in a 12-team point 12 league. You know, Right now, there's no yardage after the catch. There's no downfield 77? separation. What's that?
1: Four for I, I said yesterday? I
2: said th- uh, maybe I shouldn't say cut him. I I'm kind of reacting like he had a four for twenty seven, but right yeah, it was now, yeah, he's four for seventy seven. Uh, I I think that's his ceiling right now. Uh okay. you know he's he's really not getting. He's 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 not Doug Baldwin right now. Just. Looking at him on film, you know, I stand corrected about uh, for some reason I have a four for twenty-seven in my
1: head. I don't know why. Yeah, he went four for seventy-seven, and I'll take the almost twelve points in PPR scoring. But I hear you, you know. Something's I think that's still a still ceiling right now, though. That, sure, that's the thing; it's a ceiling right. right now. We got another this game. This was a
2: loss. you know the uh, the defense didn't play well either.
1: All right, we got another game to get to before we even preview Monday Night Football with a couple of minutes we have left. The Houston Texans get a W. They continue their winning streak. They w- beat Denver 19-17. to the, the Houston Texans definitely made it a point to try to work Demarius Thomas in early in the game, but he finishes with three for 61 and a huge false start penalty um, at some point in that game as well. But they do get the victory. Listen, I, you know, I was on this game like, Close. You know, I did pick Denver in this game, and if McManus kicked some field goals, I would have hit this. But my bigger point was that the – Texans offensive line is not necessarily great and they stepped up in class they gave up four sacks and it's not like this running game was going Lamar Miller 12 for 21 my man Corey Parsons in the studio right now knows Lamar Miller sucks and Deontay Foreman may be back at practice this week but I will say this DeAndre Hopkins continues to impress 10 for 105 and a touchdown to Marius Thomas three for 61 I think this could be a decent tandem moving forward for Deshaun Watson
2: yeah, I, I I certainly think so. Uh, you know, when you when you uh we Demarius Thomas was impressive yesterday. Obviously the, the adrenaline was going, facing his former team. Right. Uh you know, that that that's one thing. But uh he's certainly gonna command some defensive respect. I think he's been more of a possession guy than he was in the past. But the thing with him yesterday that really, really impressed me, uh was the fact that he was scrambling and you know, he wasn't afraid to do it. So uh Look, you know, I've heard that that injury takes a year to fully recover, but it was a very encouraging performance in terms of him scrambling,
1: etc. Who do you think takes more advantage of the opportunity presented to them after the trading deadline? Cortland Sutton, who we see here go three for 57, or Kenny Galladay, who wound up, you know, going three for 46. Very similar stat lines for the two of them. A lot of people were excited about both of their opportunities after the trade deadline last week.
2: Uh Galladay got off a great start and then he's been silent, but you know, we have I don't think we've seen the best of Cortland Sutton yet. So I'm gonna lead towards Cortland Sutton on a team that uh with the these the Lions are just like they're such a team in transition right now. You know, they wanna be physical, uh they wanted to get rid of Golden Tate. You know, they they're trying to execute a vision there, but they're doing it like throughout the season. They're still a team in progress. Denver is bad, but I think,
1: uh, I think Case Keenum was going to have to throw more frequently uh, than Matthew Stafford. Okay, fair enough, and that's interesting to say that when Matthew Stafford and Jim Bob Cooter, they have been throwing the ball all over the yard for years. They may be looking for more balance. Scotty, only a couple minutes left. we got Monday Night Football to look at real quick. The Dallas Cowboys right now are four-and-a-half-point favorites against Tennessee in Jerry World. First thing I want to ask you, I know who you like in this game because you and I both have uh, the Cowboys as a survivor pick in some places, so I know you like Dallas to win. I'm going to ask you to... um, you know, see the future, Scott. Tomorrow, when we're here talking and it's 7.03 or 7.04, when we're talking about Amari Cooper's first stat line as a Dallas Cowboy, what is it going to be? I'm going to predict that he gets one big play, but then doesn't really get much else. I'm predicting four for 78, but that, you know, like 40 of it comes in one big highlight play.
2: Yeah, I, I think I can see that too. I think, uh, I, th- I think they're going to tr- they're going to try to you know make every effort they can to get them the ball tonight uh, because it certainly uh, you know opens things up and you know the more offensive balance makes the defense respect them more.
1: All right, fair enough, Scotty. In one of my leagues, I'm up by 15. I have the Dallas defense. My opponent has Tennessee. You think I'm okay there? Then in another team, I am playing against the fantasy executive in our Carton league. And Carton and friends are up next, Scott. In that league, the fantasy executive is down by 31, but he has Zeke Elliott and the Cowboys' defense. Where do you think that one goes down?
2: Yeah, you uh, asked me yep. that earlier, and I said I yep. think he has a good good chance to win.
1: Yep, it is right now literally on the website a 50-50 shot. So we shall see. Uh, that, that Scotty. correct. Over-under is 40-and-a-half. Do you, you, like, uh, you like points tonight or no? It sounds like you like the Dallas uh, defense.
2: I, I do like the Dallas offense, too, so I'm going to go over. Uh, I think the Tennessee defense is going to spend too much time on the field. I say Dallas wins this one, 28-17.
1: How about them Cowboys? We'll be back to talk about it all day. Have a great fantasy day, Scott. Have a great fantasy day, players. We'll talk to you tomorrow, breaking down Monday Night Football and looking ahead to the waiver wires. Have a great day. Have a good one, Scotty. You too.